Hi, right, g'day, it is Scott Gibbons, and this show is on the road. Oh, are you on the road? Are you? <laughs> hey, this is show 76, can you believe it? 76, unbelievable. But aren't we having fun? And what about the music? Oh, the feedback I get on the music is terrific. Thank you. Thank you to everybody who gives me the feedback. I really do appreciate it. I love you listening. Are you a, if you're a regular listener... Thanks so much. I just love it that, that you just keep on coming back and back and back and back. And the newbies, I think we're getting a lot more newbies because the regulars are sharing the show, which is terrific. So the more we share, the more that we can find out more and more things for you about the RV world, because that's what the show is all about. The RV world, the four-wheel driving world, the camper, oh, the motorhome, getting out there and just seeing Australia. And there's some beautiful things. We always try and give you some hints. And I, and I found a beautiful thing this week for you, which is if you've got a caravan or a camper trailer, you'll always find generally that your fire extinguisher is somewhere near your front door, somewhere near the door to your caravan or whatever. That's where your fire extinguisher is. But your kitchen is inside and then your bedroom might be past the kitchen. So if there is a problem, you've got to get past maybe if the fire's in the kitchen area, you've got to get past the fire to get to your fire extinguisher, and you might be wearing your night gear, which might be flammable, that sort of thing. So what I'm suggesting is, and this was a beautiful thing that I found, have a second fire extinguisher somewhere in the other end of your van. So what you know, whatever the other end is, you work that out. But have a second fire extinguisher. They're not that expensive, but your life is priceless. So there's a little thought just for the day. Now, here's <laughs> something really good. Gimpy. Have you thought of going to Gimpy? Have you thought of going to Gimpy? Gimpy's a famous... It's in Queensland, but it's it's a famous town now for various reasons. I'll tell you what they are, but it was an unusual town. It's located on the Mary River, and it's primarily a service centre now surrounding... Well, for the surrounding area, and, and it's an agricultural district, so you've got pineapples and macadamia nuts and vegetables and dairy industry and beef cattle and piggeries and aussietowns.com.au, they put a great thing together on Gympie, G-Y-M-P-I-E, G-Y-M-P-I-E, Gympie. So it, it's just a fabulous, fabulous place. But one of the things it's famous for is the Gympie mustard, which I'll tell you a lot more about in just a little while. But Gympie's just terrific. It's just, it's a terrific place. It's the town, here's a little bit of history for you, it's the town that literally saved Queensland. <laughs> literally saved, it's, it's, that's a very accurate statement. Queensland was a state in 1859, but by 1867, less than a decade later, Queensland was facing bankruptcy. The, like the banks had closed, everything gone. Unemployed men were wandering the streets of Brisbane, just desperate for work, and the government was so, this is the Queensland State Government, was so financially strained, if you will, that it was forced to stop work on the Ipswich to Toowoomba Railway, which only reached Grandchester. And in a desperate attempt to raise additional monies, additional funds, the government offered a £3,000 reward to anyone who found gold. Oh, hey, that's good. Now, James Nash, well, he discovered gold near the present site of Gympie. So overnight... The wealth from the goldfield led to Queensland's first gold rush and single-handedly he saved the state. But the story of his discovery is a little bit quirky because he was, Nash was so poor, so absolutely poor that he literally had nothing more than a dog, his pick and a panning dish. And when his pick broke, he walked to Maryborough. Now that's a long way 
but he had an ounce of gold in his pocket, which he had panned, and he bought he bought rations and he bought some more equipment, so he reinvested in himself, and then he returned to the Gympie area and he went up a dry creek bed, and within a week, he had found 75 ounces of gold, which he then sold in Brisbane for £200, and then he registered his find, and then the rush was on. Oh, was it on? So the early months of Gympie, they're typical of a gold-crazed mining town, Every night they say there was brawls, there was fights, and often you wouldn't know which fight to look at first. And the cause in every case was either beer or beer and barmaids. So, but here's the interesting part. The government didn't pay Nash his £3,000. They only paid him £1,000. So he saved the state, but they only gave him a third of the reward. It's supposed to be 3000 they gave him 1000 Oh. But he and his brothers, they did manage to find £7,000 worth of gold from the field. And that's good. That's good. But the, the, the whole rush thing was so, so good. So what happened was the town, it, well, it saved the economy of Queensland because in 1868, 1868, there were 25,000 miners in the Gympie area and the Gympie field went on to produce 99 million grams of gold worth 14.5 million pounds. Like today, that's worth <laughs> a lot. So... The town was briefly named Nashville, <laughs> briefly named Nashville, but uh, and that would have been a good name, <laughs> seeing you got the Gimpy Buster and they're so famous for their country music. Wouldn't that have been funny, eh, having another country music festival in Nashville? But but maybe that'll happen one day, but it's still called Gimpy. So now they have the Gimpy Muster. But the, if you go there, then the Gimpy or the Golden Mining Museum, that's a beauty. That's sitting five hectares and it's got 18 buildings and includes the home of Andrew Fisher, who was our second prime minister. So that's pretty big time. And then you've, you've got everything there. You've got a, a, an old jail, a school, a, some railway buildings, a church, a slab hut, all acquired from the local area and, and made in, in that museum. So you can go and see them all there. So pretty good, pretty good, I would reckon. So then there's Lake Orford Park and the statue of the gold diggers, you've got to see that. There's the Valley, the Valley Rattler, which is the Mary Valley Rattler. It's an opportunity to discover a bygone era and experience the rich history of Queensland's heritage rail travel. So you can hop on board the steam locos for a scenic journey through the Mary Valley from Gympie to Amamore with the classic Rattler. Oh, that's good. You've got to do that. If you want to find out more about that, then you go to Mary Valley Rattler, all one word, Mary, M-A-R-Y, Valley, V-A-L-L-E-Y, Rattler, R-A-T-T-L-E-R.com.au, Mary Valley Rattler, and you can find out all about how to catch that train. And then you've got the Gympie Ridge and Heritage Trails, and you've got the Woodwork Museum, and oh, there's so many things. So many, many, many things. But one of the beautiful things, of course, is, as you know, the Gympie Master. Now, the Gympie Master is on this year, 2021, and it's going to be uh, the 40th anniversary. So that's fabulous. It's shaping up to be the biggest music festival of the year. Uh, they reckon it's now even bigger. And every caravaner should think about attending. And, and they've now got, uh, they've released a second all Aussie artist announcement. So that's another reason why you just got to go. But it's the 40th birthday celebrations they're, they're on. So there you go. So headlining the second announcement is the is Adam brand and, and he's no stranger to the muscle he's been there many times and he reckons you'll just love it and then you've got shane nicholson and don walker and uh tanya kernigan uh, casey barnes diesel the bushwhackers the buckleys jasmine ray james blundell 
uh, Warren H. Williams, Hurricane, uh, Hurricane Fall, uh, Drew McAllister, uh, Darlinghurst is going to be there, The Pigs, The Bad Loves, 8-Ball, Aitken, Mason Rackband, Rachel Whitchurch, and Tex Dubbo is going to make a special appearance. Tex Dubbo, you've got to go and see. <laughs> and then Gimpy's own Caitlin Shadbolts. Oh, that's going to be fabulous, eh? Fabulous. So, And then you, you might even find Casey Chambers there and Becky Cole and Troy Casadale and Tex Perkins and, oh, so many others. It's going to be fabulous. So that's on Thursday the 26th to Sunday the 29th of August 2021. So the Gympie Muster, it's Australia's original. It's the best camping. It's got terrific music. And it's, it's a stage deep within the natural surrounds of Amamore State Forest. Oh, you're in for a good time. So if you want to find out more about that, then you go to muster, M-U-S-T-E-R, muster.com.au. And that'll, that'll help you. you. You'll find that. It's going to be terrific. So that's the 2021 Gympie Muster. It's the 40th birthday, 26, 29, August 21. Uh, muster, M-U-S-T-E-R dot com dot A-U. So you ready for a song? You ready for a song? I reckon we will. I reckon. What about, if we're going to go country, we might as well go a little bit fandic. We might get a little bit of... Now, Roy, my mate Roy and his lovely wife, Wendy. Roy, I was speaking to Roy today. And he said, Scotty, can I have a song? And I said, you betcha. And he's picked John Williamson. So he, he wasn't going to pick out which John Williamson. He said, you pick one out. So we're going to go Mally Boy. And this is, oh, it's not Mally Boy. This, this is called um, the Budgie Song. The Budgie Song. It's a, oh, it's a funny little song. You'll love it. The Budgie Song. But it's off the Mally Boy album. So, yeah, you'll, you'll love this, Roy. You'll, I think everybody, oh, yeah, I hadn't heard this one. I found it for him. But it's called The Budgie Song. So you ready? Here it goes. It doesn't go for that long, but it's funny. You've got to listen to the words. It's really, really good. Hey, this show is called On The Road. My name is Scott Gibbons. Oh, it's fabulous being with you. If you want more of the show, you just go onto our website, ontheroadmedia.com.au, ontheroadmedia.com.au. you find us on Spotify. You'll find us wherever you want to go, ontheroadmedia.com.au. And this show will go back on the podcast as well. So if there's something I've said too fast or something you want to go back over again, you just listen to the podcast, you can get it all again. So here we go, the Budgie song, and this is John Williamson. Okay, back with you after this. Well, it cost me 30 bucks to fix my budgie When the little blighter only cost me five Veterinary surgeon saw me coming But I had to keep my feathered friend alive He was shaking on his perch, the kids were crying The family gathered round his little cage I said, I think it's time we got a new one That's when the family went into a rage Oh, the waiting room ponged like a rat house With heartworms and lungworms and lice and a Persian had her eye on my shoebox well, I suppose she thought our budgie might be nice Well the bird shit on the veterinary surgeon I heard him say the dirty little chick Guess he wondered why I didn't use my brains And hit him over the head with a brick Oh antibiotics for his colour Two drops a day on his beak some powder on the nose for his feathers And clean out his cage twice a week Well 
Well, it cost me 30 bucks to fix my budgie When the little blighter only cost me five And the bludger wakes me early in the morning It's got me puzzled how he survives One night I'll feed him to the tomcat Instead of worrying about him when we go away No one wants to feed a shitty budgie When everyone's on holiday Oh, antibiotics for his colour Two drops a day on his beak Some powder on the nose for his feathers And clean out his cage twice a week uh, The Budgie song, John Williamson. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you, It's a funny little song, isn't it? The Air Peninsula, eh? There's a thing on at the Air Peninsula coming on very, very soon. Get, grab your pencil because you might want to go to this one because I think it's going to be sensational. It's called Game On Air Peninsula. It's the regional games of 2021 and it's at Wudina. W-U-D-I-N-N-A. W-U-D-I-N-N-A. So it's called Game On Air Peninsula. Now, Air is E-Y-R-E, E-Y-R-E, Air Peninsula. And it's on Friday the 5th to Sunday the 7th of March. So, you know, you've got to get cracking, got to get cracking now. But it's the Adelaide Cup long weekend, so that's fabulous. So you can go for the weekend, go for a day. There's something for everyone, they reckon. There's accommodation, there's camping options available. So you go to the Wudina Hotel Motel, W-U-D-I-N-N-A, Wudina Hotel Motel. It's in the Gawler Ranges. Uh, you've got the Gawler Ranges Motel. You've got the Caravan Park. You've got the Wudina Showgrounds. You've got the RV Park. You've got it all there. But the program include you've got stargazing. You've got a bowls tournament. There's oval events. There's junior tennis tournament. There's a... Uh, charity walk, run, ride. Uh, you've got a darts competition, a hole-in-one golf. There's novelty events. There's a swimming pool fun. There's a triathlon. There's track trials. There's meals at the club, of course. There's catering and there's great music and a whole lot more. So if you want to find out more about that, then then go to admin. This You can just send an email off, admin, at wudina, W-U-D-I-N-N-A-T-E, which it's Wudina Tele Center, so W U D I W N A T E L E Center, C N T R E, all one word, dot com dot au, or give them a call on zero eight eight six eight zero two nine six nine. Again, zero eight eight six eight zero two nine six nine. I reckon that's just going to be oh fun. I'm, I, I can't get the time off to go and do that, but by golly, I'd like to. But the other place you want to go if you're going down to South Australia, and why not? You've got to go to Kangaroo Island because Kangaroo Island, it's just off the South Australian coast. I've been there. Oh, pretty, 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 pretty. It's just what it got beautiful nature. So it's been on the list for so many people. And then uh, you have, of course, the, the big fires down there, the big fires, but it was it's an island paradise and it was just transformed overnight. Uh, Grain Nomads were telling us this, grainnomads.com.au. Uh, because there was lightning strikes that sparked a bushfire in December 2019. And a month later, uh, the the fire was finally contained. 211,000 hectares of 440,500 hectares. So, you know, nearly half, nearly half were affected. 
So there was a, a lot of damage done, but the island has 1,600 kilometres of roads to explore. So 1,600 kilometres of roads, you think, you know, when they say Kangaroo Island is just a little island and a few kangaroos popping around. No, no, no. It's big. <laughs> it's beautiful. 1,600 kilometres of roads. You can explore them. Many of them are sealed, like those linking Penashore and American River and Kingscote and Pandana and Flinders and Chase National Park. So, but if you're happy to hit the dirt, if you're taking down your Forby or whatever, oh, how good is that? And you'll find some tucked away beaches and natural wildlife habitats and some extra special destinations. And the, the island's tourism authority, they're eager to point out that the fire is just a natural reset button for nature. So visitors, you're now being treated to a unique opportunity of seeing the harsh blackness already softened by the wind and the rain and there's new growth coming through and oh how beautiful is that so the wildlife is also venturing back into the recovery as well and they've got new food sources and new homes and it's not exactly known how many native animals perish but yeah there was a lot but now the kangaroos are back and the koalas are back and the wallabies are back and um, the, <laughs> the population's expected to rebound and they're talking about kangaroos that's funny that's funny. And some of the island's most beautiful places, such as Lathamy Conservation Park and Kelly Hill Conservation Park, well, they're still closed, but the others are open, like Cape Ganthorn Conservation Park and Cape Border Light Station. Your visitors are going back there again. And Seal Bay, because there's thousands of, oh, the Australian sea lions, they make that place just home. And there's, there's just fabulous. So you, you've got to do this. So the bushfire recovery journey you'll be able to see the way that Mother Nature just makes things happen again. So you've got beautiful draw cards. You've got remarkable rocks, Weir's Cove, Cape de Kudnick, um Lighthouse and Admiral's Arch, and there's multitudes of New Zealand fur seals, and it's, oh, it's just magic, magic, magic. However, there's currently no camping available within the park, but Kangaroo Island does have some excellent caravan parks. So you can book a caravan park, and like most other businesses on the island, They've had a tough time too, so, you know, they'd love to see you down there. But the Western Kangaroo Island Caravan Park sits on the southeastern edge of Flinders Chase National Park, and that's when, when the firestorm ripped through in early January. It, was, it just incinerated three cabins and two camp kitchens and the office and the shop and the sheds and the, all the things. But the couple, they, they, they stayed and everybody's positive and they're rebuilding and they're delighted to see the Grey Nomads and the other visitors returning. So you really appreciate what nature's doing. You will really appreciate it. So the fire changed Kangaroo Island, but it's just going to change into something even more beautiful. Isn't that lovely, Kangaroo Island? I think, I think you've got to go there. If you haven't been there, you've got to do it. Now, Les and Dot. I was telling you about Les and Dot last week, and the only thing I didn't get from them was a song that they, were, they wanted. And I spoke to Les during the week, and he wants Lee Kernigan Backroad Nation. So if you like Lee Kernigan and you like Backroad Nation, you're about to hear it because Les and Dot have requested that. And if you have a request, you can always let me know. You just send me an email to scott at ontheroadmedia.com.au, scott at ontheroadmedia.com.au, and I'll get your request, and then we'll try and fit that into the show somewhere along the line. That's what we try and do. But you can always go onto our website and listen to the show again and again and again because some, some of the songs we play are pretty rare. So here's Lee Kernigan, Backroad Nation for Les and Dot, and for you. So enjoy this. We'll be back with you right after that. Here we go.
It's road train dust on a blue track It's cane fields getting lit And it's combine lights before the dawn It's a new LaRue sunset It's 40,000 years of dreaming The heartland keeps on beating That's us flying down an old dirt road That's us driving through fields of gold Getting high on a country station Rolling through this back road nation And that's us, and I got you next to me Right here is where I wanna be We got a good vibration Living in this back road nation It's out of town, it's a tailgate down It's a campfire in the night A way of life, it's the life we're living As long as this big world keeps spinning That's us, flying down an old dirt road That's us, driving through fields of gold Getting high on a country station Rolling through this back road nation And that's us, and I got you next to me Right here is where I wanna be We got a good vibration Living in this back road nation Station rolling through this back road nation. That's us, and I got you next to me. Right here is where I wanna be. We got a good vibration living in this back road nation. Uh, Lee Koenigan, Back Road Nation. Good on you, Les. Good on you, Dot. Terrific. Now, one of the things, if you've got a fridge, if you've got a fridge, and we're talking about in your RV, of course, then don't put too much weight on your fridge door because your fridge door, with all that bouncing around, then some of those items can uh, create door sag. And if you create door sag, then that's a problem. And it can be some of the hinges today are not made of metal, so you can't necessarily bend them back. They're made of of plastic they can break maybe and if that happens you know you've got a problem because you've got to try and you've now got a leaky fridge maybe so it's best not to because all the bouncing around with all those heavy things so put the heavier things 
on the shelves and put the lighter things on the door. Just a little hint for you, just a little hint. UHF radios, have you got a UHF radio? Now, if you haven't got a UHF radio, consider getting one. Consider getting one. In fact, consider getting two. Get the main one for your vehicle and get a handheld for yourselves because if you're reversing in a caravan or something, oh, I'm telling you, having a handheld makes it so much easier for the driver and for the person who's giving directions because I know, I've, I've seen people do, I've had it done myself where you lower the window down, you can't hear the person because you're, you know, you're maybe revving your engine that little bit and you can't hear them. So, and you can't see them because if they're not in, in mirror, if you can't see them in your mirror, then you can't see them at all and they don't know that you can't see them necessarily. So a handheld, oh, it makes all the difference. But one of the good things is that practicalmotoring.com.au, as they say, the, the UHF CB, it's free to use. So you've got inter-vehicle communication. So if there's two vehicles or three or four or five or six or seven, right and on, if you're in convoy, if you've got a bunch of friends and you're going out, it might even be a motoring club. Have yourself a set of CBs because those UHF radios make all the difference. You can talk to each other. And the best part is you can tell somebody, listen, we're going to be pulling in up here uh, or we're going to be turning left, we're going to be turning right or there's a big pothole on the left-hand side of the road. Whatever it be, you can save people a lot of drama and maybe a lot of damage to their tyres, which we'll talk about in a little while as well. But when you get your UHF, there's certain rules that you need to follow. There's not major ones, not major, uh, only a couple of major ones. So channel 5 and channel 35 are for emergency only. So don't fiddle with those. Do not fiddle with those. If you fiddle with channel 5 and 35 and you do it unnecessarily, you could end up with a major, major fine. And I'm talking maybe, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars and maybe a jail sentence. So those ones are emergency use only. Channel 11, they use that for initial contact only. So if you want to talk to somebody, you can catch them on channel 11 and then you say to them, listen, switch to another channel. So, you know, you might find that that's just so much easier to do. But channel 10, you'll find that a lot of the four-wheel drive clubs, they use channel 10. Channel 18 is generally used by caravanners so they can communicate between themselves or the trucks can talk to the caravan in front of them. The trucks are normally on channel 40, so you can talk to them. And you can tell the truck what's coming up ahead or that you want to overtake. Uh, all a good things. So you can communicate. And of course, you have manners when you do it. So the commonly used channels, as I say, 10 and 15, normally for four-wheel drive convoys. Channel 18, normally for caravanners. 29 is for road safety, maybe on the Pacific Highway, say, and then Channel 40 maybe for the trucks. But aside from that, you're, you're pretty right. Uh, and you don't need all the old lingo that you used to hear about. You don't need to do the Roger OK, all of that sort of thing. But some things are good. The word breaker, breaker, then that's good because if you need to interrupt a conversation, then you can just use breaker and interrupt. Or if you're doing a radio check, then you just say radio check. And then whoever answers back will generally tell you the strength of your call. So they'll say, yeah, I can hear you, five out of five, three out of five, whatever. Uh, it's not a bad idea to know the phonetic alphabet. So the phonetic alphabet is the ABC, which is Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, Delta, Echo, Foxtrot, Golf, those sorts of things. So you can find out the phonetic alphabet really, but it's so much easier because if you're on a radio and you say F, it can sound like S, but if you say Foxtrot, then you know it's F, if you say Sierra, you know it's S. So very, very simple. 
one of the good things is if you turn your microphone around about 90 degrees to your face and you speak past it, that'll give you a pretty good effect. People will hear you pretty well. But if people can't hear you, it's usually the clarity of your speech, not the volume. So be careful where you hold the microphone. But if you try slower and more distinct, because a lot of people get nervous when they're on a microphone, but if you talk slower and a little bit more distinct, but not so slow, but that people think you're a little bit odd, <laughs> just slower and more distinct, you'll find that people can hear you because there's other noises going on in the car. There might be somebody else talking, kids might be playing, the radio might be on, so a little bit louder, a little bit clearer, that's really good. One of the things to remember, of course, is that the UHFCB is not private. So anything you say can be heard by anyone else listening on that channel as long as they're within range. So if they're within range, and the, the UHF is normally line of sight, so it doesn't work so well in hilly conditions unless you're at the top of a hill. And a taller UHF antenna is not necessarily better, but it's all to do with what they call the game and, and how the signal is broadcast. So if you think of a, a wide, flat donut for a tall antenna and a narrower, fatter donut for short... Then, then that's fine. You'll be okay. You'll generally find that uh, most people will just recommend a medium size aerial and, and that's what's going to work for you. So there you go. That makes it nice and easy. Now, the thing is that you'll find that you're buying today what's termed an 80 channel UHF. You might still find the old 40s around. You can still use them, but if you get the chance to buy the 80, take the chance to buy the 80. And if you're going to buy one, then you buy Australian. If you're going to buy Australian, you go to GME, so Golf Mike Echo, GME.net.au. They're Australian made. Made. Oh, isn't that fabulous? Nothing from import. We only like Aussie stuff, and I think their products are just fabulous. Now, one of the other things you've got to do is to, is to know about um, what to do when you have that UHF. So you, you can learn. There's, there's all, the, all the information that you want is in there. You will learn it. You will learn it. And it's nice, nice and easy thing to do. So it's not hard. But one of the things you've got to remember when you leave home is the three things is to make sure that you've got your keys with you. You know, when you leave home and, and you're doing your traveling plan, make sure you've got your keys with you. Make sure you've got those with you because that's important. Hey, what about a song? You ready for a song? I think this one's going to be a beauty for you. It's an Australian song because we only play Australian music, as you know. It's called My Chirolees from Broderick Smith. You might not have heard this one, Broderick Smith. It's a little bit of Queensland music, this one. So Broderick Smith, my Shirley. You ready? I think it's going to be a beauty for you. So here we go. You'll enjoy this. Broderick Smith, my Shirley. Hey, this is Scott Gibbons. This show is called On The Road. Oh, it's good being on the road with you. We'll be back with more information for you right after Broderick Smith. Here we go. Yeah. 
looking for something in return Don't you worry, we're still free You can be, you can be my, my Shirley Oh, yeah, that was my Shirley Broderick Smith. Campfire etiquette. Campfire etiquette. Did you think there was such a thing? <laughs> well, there is, because unsealed4x4.com.au, they did a whole thing on it. And as they said, there's nothing, nothing that beats sitting around a great campfire. But you've got to have the tips on how to do it properly, because a campfire, as they say, is one of those great experiences on the travels and sitting around at the end of the day and staring at the mesmerising, licking flames and staring up at the stars. Ah, It doesn't get better, does it? But, but, sometimes people get it wrong. Like recently at Fraser Island, you know what happened there? They they didn't do the right thing and, and half the island got burnt down and that's what happens. Bad campers, they can just ruin everything, the, the ambience of, with the loud music or the, the pluming dense smoke or the rubbish that they burn or the sheer disregard for the real dangers. They can sour what would otherwise be a really good experience. And then there's nothing worse than going back to your favourite camp spot. And then there's multiple fire scars and littered rubbish and 
evidence even of a, a campfire that got out of control. So what they've done at Unsealed 4x4 is that they've said, let's have a set of rules. So <laughs> number one is when there's a fire ban, a fire ban means there's no fires. Simple, no fires. And if you see somebody doing it, dob them in. Nice and easy. Number two is gathering timber because generally the national parks are no-go zones. So when it comes to collecting firewood, unless it's specifically stated that you can, which is pretty rare, that means you need to plan beforehand and bring in your own wood. And now there's, there's heavy fines apply if you don't do it. So in some parks, some will even fine you if you bring in a chainsaw. So there you go. Now, fire scars, most campsites have established fire pits so there's no need to create a new one if everyone created a new fire scar every time then you'd soon have the most pockmarked barren wasteland and no grass whatsoever so the important thing is do things right use the fire where there's where there's a, an established fire pit or there's been a fire previously so that you're not you're not messing it up for somebody else if there's a hut because in some parts like especially down the snowy you've got some huts that are there now the thing is you've got to you've got to understand that there are people there who donate their time and their money towards maintaining those high country huts and like they are just outstanding people so if you do have to use one and the rule is if you you can only use it if it's an absolute emergency but if you have to use it then leave some timber for the next person that has to use it and leave some tin food and by the way, if you're driving past one of those and you've got a spare couple of tins of food, leave them there because if somebody needs to use the hut, then they've got something to eat. And that's pretty good. That's a pretty good thing to do. Coal management and fire size. So you only need a fire that's big enough to keep you warm. You don't need a raging inferno that spits coals and whatnot. So you, you don't want to create something that's huge. You just want something that's reasonable and nice and easy to clean up and easy to maintain. And then you can leave the area nice and clean. And kids and fire means that you've got to talk to them beforehand and, and teach them about fire and create some non-negotiable boundaries. So nothing can ruin the trip quicker than a medivac flight because they've got to get to the burns unit. So set out the rules right from the start so they understand the dangers of what a campfire is all about. And then you've got to use your head as well. Use your noggin because if the wind's just started howling and your fire's starting to throw embers into the bush, then you've got to take some measures too. So it may be that you move your car around to use that as a wind block if it's only a minor thing. So that might help dial the fire down. If it doesn't, then just extinguish your fire because the whole night could get worse. If you, you trigger a bushfire and nobody's going to say thank you for that, no one. Oh, no one. Oh, you don't want your face in the paper for that one. Keep the area clear. So Mother Nature will, will throw dried leaves and grass and bark all around the fire. So before you start it, sweep all the debris away. Now, I pulled into a a camping area just a little while ago and I met Charlie. We talked to Charlie a couple of weeks ago and, and before Charlie um, set up camp, he'd swept everything. I was so impressed. And then not only did he sweep everything, but his wife said, don't worry, he's got a, a battery blower in there as well. So he could have blown all the leaves away. Very clever. So you sweep all that debris away to keep the fire contained so the flying embers can't easily ignite the area just around your fire so that's good to know because you know that's that's clever and then a fire means that you do need to be cautious you need to be prepared and you need to have the appropriate first aid kit so you know having a little little sticky things like band-aids and savlon they might not be the thing that you need if it's a a bad burn so you need to be properly provisioned with a burns um, first aid kit 
and some cold flushing water, some bandages and an evacuation plan if you needed it. And then you need some what's called jello net dressing, which is available at pharmacies. But if you're going to get a first aid kit, then you go to survival first aid kits au survival it's australian if you just google australian made first aid kits you'll come up with survival first aid kits with an s dot net dot au fabulous people fabulous people i've met them oh they're good then you've got to have a fire blanket and extinguisher because a fire blanket can be used safely to smother a small unwanted outbreak around the fire or even near your stove and likewise extinguishers can not only save your car, but they might be able to be used to douse the fire. They're pretty, and they're not expensive, you know, so if you need to use it, don't think, oh, I'm wasting it. No, you're not. You might be saving the whole nation. Like, as we said, half of Fraser Island just burnt up because somebody maybe didn't use a fire extinguisher that they maybe even had with them. Then you've got the rubbish tip thing. So the campfire's not a rubbish tip. If you've got to burn some paper and cardboard, okay, but... Anything else, make sure you take it back with you. If you've broken your camping chair, don't throw that in the, in the fire. Take it back with you. You know, do the right thing. Don't use your, don't put your bottles in there and uh, all the tins that you can't, don't put that in there and it, because it's just going to be horrible. And if you throw plastic in, it's just going to become a hard lump of nothing. So put the rubbish in your rubbish bag, take it away and everybody's fine. And bottle lids and caps and, and those Bundaberg ring pulls that are just like a sharp bit of, oh, horrible things. But great drink, but horrible lid. The outdoor equivalent of like stepping on a Lego brick it's or those twisty caps or whatever. So they're so small, you, you could take them home. Don't throw them in the fire. Take them home so it's nice and easy. Aerosol cans, don't put them anywhere near a fire. Nowhere near a fire. They are bad, bad, bad things. Fire and music, just because you have an awesome time around a fire, doesn't mean that you have to dial the volume all the way up. So, you know, look after the other people that are camping around there as well that aren't in your group. You know, be nice, have the manners. And know you would, because the best burning timbers are properly dried hardwood. So if it's wet or green or it's throwing up a heap of smoke, then then your fire is inefficient and possibly going to just smoke out the campground. So, you know, buy or select some good timber for your fire. Softwoods are a common mistake. So they're great for starting a fire, but they burn out quickly and they only throw out quick bursts of heat. So hardwood is the one, hardwood, and, and you'll really appreciate the difference. So use your softwood to get it going, but then straight onto the hardwood as well. And then fires in the sand. Oh, I know this one. I know this one. As they say, woe betide the fool who covers a fire with sand because it just keeps on cooking. It, the fire keeps on cooking because sand is a great insulator of heat. And just because the flames and the hot timbers have gone below the surface, that doesn't mean much to the sand. The sand just gets hot. It's like an underground oven. So the Maoris and the Islanders, they call it a, a hungy, and that's how they cook their food. <laughs> so, and it's really nice. But adults and children have been hospitalised due to stepping on uh, and, and what looks like a clean part of the beach or a clean part of the campground or whatever it has been concealed. Now, when I was a little tight, that's what happened to me. Somebody had done exactly that, and I walked in it, and I got the third-degree burns, and because there was no fire there. There was no fire, but there was hot sand, so there you go. So uh, what they call hot bottoms, don't place, <laughs> don't place a hot coal from under the fire under your camp chair because it might feel good on a cold night but it does nothing for the campsite all it does is, is it kills the underlying grass 
and it leaves a large blackened mess. It's a great way to ruin the surround, so don't do that. And then you've got to have someone who is responsible for tending the fire. So if someone, if someone wants to go walk, go and walk and leave the fire going, don't let them. Don't let them put the fire out because anything can happen. Again, Fraser Island. So, you know, anything can happen. So put the fire out. And to put the fire out, you've got to use lots of water. So the heat generated in the bottom of the fire pit, known as the hearth, that's the dangerous factor. So three elements are needed for fire. There's heat, there's fuel, and there's oxygen. Now, the oxygen is still there, as is the fuel in the form of the, the unspent or unburnt coals. But many assume that the heat's gone because there's no flame. Well, that's just wrong. The heat's still there and all it takes is a bit more breeze. You know how you blow on a fire? You know, and, and you, yeah, so a little bit of breeze or a random flicker of flame and the fire is well and truly alive again. So a little leaf that just blows onto that can reignite the whole system. So you've got to douse the fire. Use lots and lots and lots of fire. Now I've got a song for you. I've got a song for you. This is a bit funny. It's it's very apt because it's called Looking at My Phone. Because everybody, if you've been on a train recently or a bus recently or sitting in a railway station recently, everybody's just staring at their phone. Everybody, no one's talking. Nobody's buying a newspaper. They're just all staring at their phone. So Pete Dennehy, he's one of our favourites on the show. But Pete Dennehy's got a song called Looking at My Phone. If you haven't heard it, listen in. It's just very, very funny, very clever. So if you're ready, this is Pete Dennehy. Looking at my phone. Hey, this is Scott Gibbons. This show is called On The Road. If you want more of the show, you just go onto our website, ontheroadmedia.com.au, and there's about 75, maybe 76 podcasts on there now. So if you're ever lonely and you want to you have a little bit of Butte Aussie music or you want to find out a little bit, then just go onto any of those and there's something there for you. And I really appreciate you listening in. I really, really do. So here we go. Pete Denny, looking at my phone. Here we go. Sitting at the bus stop and I'm looking at my phone Looking at my phone, looking at my phone There's people all around me and I'm all alone Looking at my, looking at my phone I'm sitting in the movies and I'm looking at my phone Looking at my phone, looking at my phone I need to check my Facebook while the ads are shown Looking at my, looking at my phone I'm sitting at the cafe and I'm looking at my phone Looking at my phone, looking at my phone I need to send this pic to everyone I've ever known Looking at my, looking at my phone I'm sitting in the waiting room looking at my phone Looking at my phone, looking at my phone Twitter's more important than a friggin' kidney stone Looking at my, looking at my phone Sitting at the dinner table looking at my phone Looking at my phone, looking at my phone I've heard you say it's going cold, will you just leave me alone? Looking at my, looking at my phone I'm standing in the checkout line looking at my phone Looking at my phone, looking at my phone I've forgotten what I'm buying cause I'm really in the zone Looking at my, looking at my phone I'm sitting on the dunny and I'm looking at my phone Looking at my phone, looking at my phone Playing games of solitaire, look how time has flown Looking at my, looking at my phone I can't imagine living without looking at my phone Looking at my phone, looking at my phone I love and care for all my friends but always on my own Looking at my, 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 looking at my phone 
Did you get a laugh out of that? Pete Dennehy looking at my phone. It's a good thing, isn't it? Good thing. <laughs> Off-road systems. Are you ready for a set of drawers for the back of your four-wheel drive? Are you? Do you need some more storage? Do you want a storage system in your van or your four-wheel drive or your ute or whatever you need? Because the difference, here's the big thing, the difference between the off-road system storage drawers and anybody else's is that these are 100% Aussie made, 100% Aussie owned, and they will do things to suit you. So because of the size of the business, they can take the time to work out what you need, what you as the customer individually need, and then they'll help you make that any way that you want. So they treat every customer as a person rather than a number. And each system is made to order for that customer. So it's likely there's not two running around that have been individually made for the... That's how good they are. So they've got all the processes of the larger industry. So they've got the CNC machinery, so you know the finish is exact. They've got all the timber, all the metal fabrication to keep the cost down and maintain accuracy. And I tell you, if you get the chance to go and see them and see how accurate they are and how the the finesse that they put into making sure the finish is beautiful because it's a one-off piece. It's, if you like, it's bespoke. It's done for you. So they focus on a top product, They don't focus on the bottom line. A lot of the products that they make are just terrific because what they do is they look around and see what the competition's doing and then if they can make the product better, then that's what they do. So they'll try and make something better. And then... That's the joy that you get out of it. So if you want drawers, if you're, when I was out there recently, they were making a set for a surveyor and he gave them exactly, they sat down with the surveyor and they said, now tell us what you need, what you need, not what will fit from what we do, what you need. And that's exactly what they did. So they created it for him. So you can have the exact thing. So if you've got a bigger fridge, a smaller fridge, if you don't have a fridge, if you want to buy a fridge, if you need a fridge slide, what, and they even create, they make their own fridge slides there. So it's off road systems, Aussie, 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 and they ship all the way around Australia. That's the beautiful part about it. They create them here and then they ship them around Australia. So just give them a phone call, 02-4647-6322. And if you want to go to their website, it's offroadsystems.com.au. Fabulous people. You will love them. Now, one of the other things that you're going to love is Shepherd in Victoria. You've got to go to Shepherd in Victoria because what they've got down there is museums, uh, beautiful museums, but they've also got a thing called SAM, which is the Shepparton Art Museum. So it's just magnificent. And it's got, it holds one of Australia's leading collections of historic and contemporary Australian ceramics. So you're going to see some beautiful stuff. The collection includes objects made by the first convict potters and a large collection of domestic and decorative ceramics made by early commercial potteries in Australia, such as Bendigo Pottery and Lithgow Pottery, the Hoffman Brick Company, the Premier Pottery Ceramics by Merrick Boyd, who was one of Australia's earliest studio potters. Oh, he's got a wonderful collection down there. You're going to love it. You will. You will. And there's so much more to see. There's the statue of Joseph Furphy. Now, you've got to learn about Furphy. You've got to learn about him because he's an amazing man. So the statue of Joseph Joseph Furphy, that's F-U-R-P-H-Y, Furphy, It's a simple representation of a man boiling a billy and holding a book, and the plinth behind him has an unusual dedication. 
So it says, Joseph Furphy, writer using the pen name Tom Collins, who was a spreader of rumours and yarns. Now, there's a big street there called Tom Collins, so, and there's a drink called the Tom Collins, so you can have one of those down there. You've got beautiful trees, you've got the Goulburn River, and then you've got uh, beautiful things down there. You, you've got the the river, the Northern Riverina area of New South Wales is has all the bullock drivers and whatnot, and they came down there. So uh, beautiful things. But there's the Furphy Museum, and and that's located in the Emerald Bank Leisure Land. So that's in the Goblin Valley Highway. It's called the Furphy Museum. It explores 150 years of the Furphy blacksmith and real wheel right business and uh, just terrific you're going to have the best time if you go to Shepparton so John Furphy was joined in Shepparton by his more famous brother Joseph and Joseph had been a farmer in the Riverina uh, and he had been bankrupted by a drought and he worked with his brother for 21 years and it was during that time he wrote the great Australian novel Such Is Life the great Australian novel Such Is Life and that was published under the pseudonym Tom Collins. So then you've got the Shepparton Motor Museum and Collectibles. Oh, that's you've got over a hundred classic and vintage cars and bicycles and motorcycles and trucks and pedal cars and there's even an Australian beer can collection there. So that'd be nice. You might be able to give some of yours to them. You get your ten cents off them, I'd reckon. <laughs> then you've got so many things that you've got the old SPC, which was the Shepparton Preserving Company that was established in 1917, that was down there. So in 2002, it was merged with Ardmona and became SPC Ardmona. And so, yeah, you can just walk around Shepparton. One of the things that they have down there is is they have, I think it's called the Moving moving festival or something it's m-o-o-v-i-n-g and what they have is these 3d cows so it's a public art walk and they've got these cows that have been painted by well-known artists and i think there's about 90 of them they scatter around the place and oh it's just fabulous a wonderful place to go to so shepparton it's in victoria hey we can go back to victoria again i think i think victoria's opening up Again for us, so I'd get that on your list. Shepparton, Victoria, I think you're going to have a good time down there. In the meantime, talking about a good time, I reckon we'll have another bit of music. What do you reckon? John Williamson, I know we started the show with John Williamson, but we're going to have another one because, Roy, I reckon you deserve another song, and this is Old Man MU. So for Roy, my good mate, here's Old Man MU, John Williamson. Here we go. Let me tell you of an interview with an old man emu He's got a beak and feathers and things with the poor old fella ain't got no wings Aren't you jealous of the wedge-tailed eagle and battle it da 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 While the eagle's flying round and round to keep it two feet firmly on the ground Now I can't fly but I'm telling you I can run the pants of a kangaroo but I do Model for the 50 cents, um, the designer should have had more sense. Um, if you take a look, it'll prove to you. <laughs> I ran the pants of that kangaroo, but I do. Take a look, it'll prove to you. He ran the pants of the kangaroo. You can't loop the loop like a 
You can never have too much of John Williams. Isn't that a clever song? It's a clever song. I reckon it is. A little bit of sad news. Australian New Zealand car and camper van rental group Juicy. You know the green and purple vans that you see driving around or saw driving around? They've collapsed. The COVID got them. COVID took them out. Uh, and they're owing something like $40 million. So according to the receivers, the, the Juicy group and Juicy rentals and Juicy holdings and Juicy by design, they're all heavily affected by border closures and travel restrictions and whatnot. And at the time they went into receivership uh, in November last year, they had a lot of money owing, something like, as I say, $40-odd million. So um, it doesn't look like anyone's going to get maybe any money back out of that. So in addition to the rental cars and the camper vans operation, they had some short-stay tourist accommodation in Auckland and Wellington and Christchurch and Queenstown and New Zealand. And they ran cruises on Milford Sound and they had other operations in Australia and in the US. But the pandemic, that was that just nailed them down, just nailed them down. So... Very, very sad. And then back in April 2020, 97 of their vehicles, 97, were stolen from one of the company's New Zealand parking lots. So 29 people were then arrested for the theft after advertisements for the distinctive vehicles. Why you would steal those, I have no idea. Uh, but they were sold for ridiculously low prices. So 29 people have been uh, arrested for that. But Juicy is now gone. So, you know, it's a, another thing. So, so many people who really worked hard to do all the good things and, and get tourism going. But the beautiful thing is, you're okay. So if you're okay, then the world's okay. And I reckon that's about the end of the show for this week. It's gone so quick. It's gone so quick. I'm going to miss you until next week. But if you want to find out more, you go onto our website, ontheroadmedia.com.au. And there's podcasts on there galore. And you'll find us on Spotify. You'll find us on the vast satellite network. We go nationally all around Australia. So it's terrific being with you each week. So my name's Scott Gibbons. If you want to, send me a song request or some hints on whatever you want on the show to scott at ontheroadmedia.com.au. Scott, S-C-O-T-T, at ontheroadmedia.com.au. But until then, hey, I'll see you on the road. <laughs>